This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Okay, if you would turn again to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And while you're doing that, uh, just a reminder um, that, uh, Lord willing, um, next Sunday we'll be on the road. Uh, so uh, we've got Danny Taylor take care of the services Sunday morning and Sunday evening uh, next Sunday. And, uh, you know, I'll have my cell phone, so if he preaches anything heretical, just call me. <laughs> no, no, it's a joy, a uh, joy to uh, to be able to uh, have Danny come and share. And, and uh, I'm only, well, somebody's going to have to make sure it gets recorded. Hopefully, hopefully Michael will be here, or, or if not, somebody else will take care of that. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I can't, I better, I better not respond on that. <laughs> incriminate myself. Um, and then next, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, um, Brother Dickie Chappelle is going to share the Word um, that evening. So, again, grateful grateful to him and his willingness and, and, and uh, availability. And so I know that would be a blessing as well. So... All right, just a reminder there, and then and then again, Lord willing, we'll be back the following week, and that's going to be the, I forgot to mention that this morning, but that is going to be the fifth Sunday singing two weeks from today. Uh, so keep that in your mind. Um, four o'clock on whatever date that is. I forget what the date is. Twenty ninth, thirtieth, something like that. But the last Sunday of this month. Okay. Um, We'll pick up where we left off this morning and let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. and Lord, we uh, again want to not acknowledge our dependence upon You. Lord, any time we come to your, your book and read, Lord, we're, we're so limited. In fact, to... To really grasp what is here is beyond us, but we we are thankful for your your work within us, your presence within us. Thankful for illumination that you give, and Lord, we do pray. Open up our hearts and minds to to understand and to receive, and we do pray, Lord, that it'll it'll be received. That we not not just comprehend, but that we uh, apply these these things, that it all works together for the furtherance of our sanctification so that little by little, more and more, we are reflecting Your character. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, I might... Was there any questions from this morning? See, I might ought to start with that because we covered so much ground in terms of the uh, uh, the length of the passage there, and uh, you know sometimes you just feel like you're 
in one sense, you know, you just feel like you're rushing over things, so I don't want to uh, miss something important. Everybody okay with this morning? Okay, I'm going to, um, if so, I'm going to pick up in verse 19 here. And uh, remember that the, the, the context here, Paul is, is uh, again responding to a letter that they've written to him issue by issue. And also, as we saw this morning, he, he, as he's doing that, he goes into uh, defending his own apostleship. Um, we've, we've talked about that quite a bit. There's a, there's a rejection here in the, in the church of Corinth um, of, of Paul's office, his apostleship. And um, there are hints that there may be some some uh, involvement from outsiders here, but it's interesting that, that that Paul really focuses his argument against the church, the church at Corinth. So it's not not like he's saying you know you you've got somebody coming in like was the case in Galatia, somebody coming in and, and troubling uh, the uh, the congregation. He's he's basically it, it seems it seems to show that the, it's the congregation there that has a problem with Paul, and so he's defending his his uh, his office as he did in chapter four. You may remember when we went through chapter four, and then again this morning he goes back to that argument. Talks about his uh, his possessing the the evidence of an of an apostle. He's seen the Lord Jesus Christ plus them, the church. Um, the fact that they are Christians, the fact that they are a church, um, the fact that they are in Christ is evidence of his of his apostleship, the gen, the genuineness of it. And then he goes on to talk about his rights, his authority, um, and the fact that he himself has not taken support from them, although that would be the right thing to do. Um, and although he has authority to do that, because those who preach the gospel, he says, uh, the command of the Lord is that those who preach the gospel um, have their living by the gospel. That's verse 14. The Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Uh, so, why doesn't Paul then receive um, receive um, remuneration from the, uh, from the Corinthians? And it's because, I suggested this morning, because of the problems here. And he knows that if he does, it will be a stumbling block for them. You know, they are already questioning his authority. They're already questioning his apostleship. So, um, he knows that if he does, uh, it opens the door for, for the problems. And he's not willing to do that. His main concern is the gospel and the furtherance of the gospel. His main concern is that they... Um, know the Lord, that they are shored up, so to speak, in the Lord. So he's willing to set aside his own rights, his own right in this case, to, uh, to support from them uh, in order to uh, freely give them the gospel um, and to, to further their sanctification. Now, with that in mind, and, and, I, and I, again, also I said this morning, this, what he was talking about here, what he's discussing here is true freedom. Uh, you go back to chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, and they, they are th- thinking that they are free um, to do all of these things even if it hurts people. And Paul is showing no true freedom um, means freedom to love. It is governed by love. So now he picks up in verse 19 and says, For though I am free from all, 
I have made myself servant to all. And that's a form of the, of the word doulos. It's a strong term, uh, like bond servant, slave. So, again, here, the emphasis is on real freedom. He says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant or a slave to all, that I might win more of them. So notice, this is, this is his, his motivator, to, to win them. It's very similar to what I just mentioned in verse 14. Um, I'm sorry, not verse 14, um, verse uh, 12. If others share this rightful claim on you, do not, do not we even more. Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So he doesn't want to trip anybody up. He wants to reach them. That's, that's his primary motivator. So he's motivated, like we said this morning, by love. And his liberty and his authority are governed by love. Right? Or as we said it this morning, you can bring in the two factors. His liberty and his authority are governed by, number one, his passion to glorify God in all things which works out um, through loving others. So he's motivated um, by love. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, again in verse 19, and I'm going to read through the rest of the chapter. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as under the law, though not being myself, under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now I want to point something else, uh, something out here down in verse 24 um, that... uh, Lord willing, we'll come, we'll come back to it in a few minutes, but I need to point it out here. I think it's going to help us understand verses 19 through 23. He says, Do you not know that in, in a race, uh, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Alright, so there he's, he's, he's essentially saying, um, not everybody wins, not everybody finishes, so diligence needs to be exercised here. Right? You need to be disciplined. You need to be diligent. That's what he's suggesting. And in fact, he goes on to say that. So, run that you may obtain it. 
It's kind of like saying, run like you want to win. You know, make, make a real effort to finish. Don't just kind of get out there on the track and, uh, you know, just kind of jog around or jog a little ways and walk a little ways, jog a little ways, walk away, which is probably what I'd have to do <clears throat> today if we were literally running. But he says, run like you want to win. That's the idea here. You want to obtain the wreath, which is what they used to, you know, the Olympians used to. Now they get a gold medal, but it used to be a wreath. So run that you may obtain it. Now here's, here's the, uh, where I was going to. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. This is a key point. I'm not just out there, you know, hit and miss, just kind of, uh, as we say, you know, flying by the seat of my pants, people say, helter skelter. Paul says, I'm not running aimlessly. What he's saying is, I do what I do intentionally and with purpose. I've got a goal in view. There's something that I'm, that I'm working to achieve here. I do not box as one beating the air. You see what he's saying? I'm, I'm, not just a, a, I'm not just a runner out there going nowhere, and I'm not a boxer just beating the air. What I'm doing is serious training, Paul says. I discipline my body. I discipline my body and keep it under control. So he's, he's saying, I'm, what I'm doing in reality is, is discipline. Exercising self-control so that I can achieve the goal. And, and that's the reason he's using these athletic analogies because uh, that's such a great, uh, great analogy. And it's what athletes do. They have, to, they have to discipline themselves. And I know if you watch the news much, you, you, you don't think they're disciplined because <laughs> you read about them doing drugs, you read about them getting picked up in bar fights and all that kind of thing. But at least in one area of their life, they're very disciplined or they wouldn't have achieved what they've achieved. I mean, they may have no self-control morally. One thing they know how to do and be disciplined at is, is whatever sport they're in, you know, whether it's a football player or a runner or whatever it is. That's what Paul's saying. That's the picture he wants. I'm not just out there running aimlessly. I'm not boxing, beating the air. I am exercising serious discipline because I've got intentions. I've got a goal in view, an objective that I'm trying to reach. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, again, that's, he's got the, the athletic analogy in mind there. You know, a, a, a runner, um, you know, being disqualified in the midst of a race or something like that. So, so he doesn't get to finish. So that's, that's, a, that's a warning using... An athletic analogy. So just keep that in mind. Paul is saying, I'm doing things with a purpose. I have an objective. Now let's go back to verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. Now why does he, why does he bring this up? Though, though I'm free from all, I've made myself a slave. I've brought myself into slavery to all. I've submitted myself as a slave to all, though I am free from all. I mean, and on the surface, that's a that's a paradox. It almost sounds contradictory. Wait, are you free, 
or are you a slave? Well, yes, Paul says, I'm free. But, I've made myself a slave. I'm free from all, but I've made myself a slave to all. Why? Because he's got an objective in view. He's got, he's got a goal to achieve. He's got purpose. He's got intentions. Now, the Corinthians, on the other hand, I think this is basically what he's suggesting, they're like runners running aimlessly on the track. We're free! We're free! You know, they're, they're just running in circles out there on the track. Uh, you know, not circle around the track, but maybe just in one spot doing circles. Aimless running. Or they're just beating the air. And proclaiming their freedom, proclaiming their rights. Yeah, we've, we've got, the, we're the right. We've got liberty in Christ. We've got the right to go to the pagan temple feast, visit temple prostitutes, eat meat offered to idols. We've got the right to do these things. And and at least in the case of the meat, I think we'll see later as we go, Paul Paul will make the case that that in itself is, is not wrong. But... The fact that they are willing to do that at, at, the, at the expense of other believers uh, makes it wrong because they're, they're not walking in love. So if they, if they eat the meat offered to idols and a weak brother or sister witnesses that and is encouraged to do the same thing and they are destroyed, Paul says now you have destroyed a brother and you sinned against Christ. And it's all because you don't have a clear objective. You know, there's no intentionality to what you're doing. I mean, you're just you're just you're you're just thinking all about um, self, your own freedom, your own rights, and you're willing to live at the expense of everybody, everybody else's well-being. And Paul says that's not what I'm doing. Now, why would he say that? I, I'm, I'm going to su- suggest this um, because they're bringing his. His authority in, into question and his apostleship. So here, here are a couple things. Number one, he's refusing support from them. And I think this is part of his argument back in the first part of this chapter, why he goes there, because they, they probably have raised this issue. Well, if you're a real apostle, then why don't you... Why don't, why don't you live off of us? Why don't you receive from us? Others were, look at verse 12. If others share this rightful claim, this authority, if others share this authority on you, do not we even more? So apparently there were others taking advantage of this right or authority, receiving uh, monetary support from the Corinthians. And Paul and Barnabas would not... At least Paul, and, and it seems to suggest that the same was the case with Barnabas. And so they may have questioned that. Well, you know, if you've really got this authority, if you've really got this authority over us, this right, then why don't you do it? And another issue uh, may be, for example, the eating of meat offered to idols. As I said, when we get especially over into chapter 10 where Paul deals with that some more, you're going to see that he seems to be actually okay with that. Because the idol is nothing. The meat is just meat. 
And so it's, it's, it's not the eating of the meat that's wrong. He seems to be okay with that. Unless it causes somebody to stumble. So, so here I think is what the, 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 where the problem is in their mind. They, they would see Paul doing this and say, okay, on one hand, you're claiming to be free to eat the meat offered to idols. But, perhaps they have witnessed this, but on the other hand, you won't do it in certain company. Well, that's kind of hypocritical, Paul. And why is that? And so this is Paul's answer. Well, because I'm not, I'm not running around aimlessly here. I'm not beating the air. I've got an objective in view that is greater than me exercising my rights. My, my rights, my authority as an apostle, and my freedom as a Christian and an apostle is governed by love. So, Paul's saying, my main goal is that people are saved. So, while, while they look at his conduct and think, well, you know, it's kind of wishy-washy. Paul, it's okay to eat meat offered to idols here, but then in certain company he won't do it. He, he claims to have the right to receive monetary support from us, but he won't do it. And so, Paul says, here's the deal. I'm free from all, but I have made myself a slave to all, that I might win more of them. Now, that's the objective. He wants to win souls. So, here's what he says. So, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. Now, now keep this in mind as I'm reading through these examples because... Because this to them, and to many people today, as a matter of fact, would look, uh, again, somewhat wishy-washy. Or maybe even hypocritical. You know, you might even say, well, they might have been saying, you know, Paul's a hypocrite. He'll sit down and eat pork with us. But then when he gets around the Jews, he won't have it. And, and maybe, you know, a little speculation, but maybe that's one reason they're questioning his, his office. So, so Paul's explaining this. My primary goal is to win souls. So, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. That's like the weak brothers that, 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 uh, that won't eat the meat offered to idols, or that won't drink the wine, or that won't uh, eat um, meat. You know, they're vegetarian. In Romans 14, Paul designates them as weaker brethren. So, to the, and here he, he says they have a, a weak conscience because they can't eat, eat the meat offered to idols without defiling their conscience. So he says, to the weak, I became weak 
And again, if I can put, uh, just for explanation, put a, put, this time put my own parentheses in there. It's not that he is weak, because he's not weak. His, his conscience is strong in these matters. He understands Christian liberty. But, he says, I, beca- I became as weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. That's the goal, Paul says. You see, he's governed by love. He says, I'm free. Chapter 9, verse 1. Am I not free? Yes. The answer is, that's a rhetorical question. The answer is yes. Paul's free. He understands true freedom. They think they're free. Paul is free. And he reiterates in verse 19. Though I am free. I am free, Paul says. But he says, I've become a slave to all. The Jews, those under law, those outside the law, the weak. I become a slave to all so that by all means I might save some. I do it all, verse 23 says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Let me give you one example, um, maybe more than one, but at least one here. I have a lot of time left. Um, in Acts 21. Acts 21. Even today, a lot of people are perplexed by what takes place here. Um and I'm going to read a, a, a portion of this. We won't read all the way through it, but I, I want you to get the gist of it. Paul has come to Jerusalem, and uh, he meets with James and the elders in Jerusalem. Look at verse 17. 21:17. When we had come to Jerusalem, notice the we, by the way. Luke, Luke is writing this, so and he's accompanying Paul. When we had come to Jerusalem... The brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James. Now, that's, that's the Lord's brother, Jesus' brother, um, and the author of the book of James. <clears throat> Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. So this is you know, following his missionary journeys. Verse 20, And when they heard it, they glorified God and they said to him, listen carefully to what they say here. You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law. And they have been told about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing and what they have been told about you, but that you yourself 
also live in observance of the law. Verse 26 says, Then Paul took them in, and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled, and the offering presented for each one of them. Paul is in the temple offering a sacrifice. To the Jews, he said, I became as a Jew. To those under the law, though not being myself under the law, why? Because he's in Christ, he's free. Right? But he's free to love. He's not free to damage other believers. So he says, to those under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Now, verse 20, and I'm back in First Corinthians 9 here. Verse 21, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. What's wrong with Paul? He's pretty confused, right? One minute he's under the law, as one under the law. Not himself under the law, but nevertheless, there he is, taking a vow, participating in an offering. So one minute he's as one under the law, the next minute he's as one without law. You say, well, wow, he was just... um, Really confused, or maybe um, you know he 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 well, he was throwing off all restraint, restraints, right? Now he's going to go out and act like people without any law. Well, again, he states clearly about himself not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, which incidentally every Christian is. Paul acknowledges, "I'm under the law of Christ. I'm governed by love. I'm constrained by love." But I can live in a manner as one outside the law. That is, he can, he can observe the law of Moses, as he did in Jerusalem, to avoid being a stumbling block for those Jewish believers there. Or, he can live as one without law, that is, out from under the law of Moses, as he did in places like Galatia or Corinth so that he's not a stumbling block for people there. That's what he's saying. I become all things for all people. And and do you see his defense? He's saying, I'm not doing this aimlessly. I'm not running around out there like a chicken with his head cut off, like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing all of these things, he's telling the Corinthians. I'm doing all of these things with a clear purpose and goal in view that I might save some. It's not worth causing them to stumble. Now, I should add something here. Because I think this is exactly what Paul is doing here. You say, well then, wait a minute. And if we had time, we'd read Romans 14 and the account there. But um, where Paul talks about those weak in faith against those who are stronger in faith. 
And he, and he tells both of them, you know, don't, don't condemn the other. Some will drink wine, some won't. Some will eat meat, some won't. Some will um, esteem one day above another. Some esteem all days the same. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Don't condemn one another. But here's the deal. When, when Paul was in situations, apparently, like, like he was in in Jerusalem, he was not willing in that situation to cause Jewish believers to stumble. But that doesn't mean that he never tried to set the record straight. Because he did. He did it through teaching. It's like we have right here. It's like we have in, the, in Galatians. So, it's like we have in Romans 14. There he is in Romans 14, right? Talking to those weak in faith and those strong in faith. And he's saying, don't condemn one another. But at the same time, he is clearly saying, those of you who won't partake of these certain things are weaker in faith than these brothers who will. So, there's a time, a proper time, apparently, in Paul's mind, to deal with these things. And it's done through teaching, through teaching the believers. But it's not done when you're in a situation where you're going to cause harm to somebody. You know, you sit down at a table and they bring a load of meat offered to idols. And you've got a, a, a brother whose conscience is weak sitting next to you. And he's thinking that the idol is really something, like we saw back here in chapter 8. And if we eat this, we're participating in the, the sacrifice and, and we're doing it so that we may gain um, favor with God, commending ourselves to God. And here's this other brother who knows better. He knows the idol is nothing and eating the meat accomplishes nothing. So now he's got a choice. I can go ahead and exercise my liberty and partake of this knowing that it's not going to hurt a thing and do that while I'm offending this brother over here. Or I can refrain motivated by love until this brother reaches the point to where his conscience is not so weak through teaching. Through teaching. So, again, Paul's point, I've got a goal in view. There's something I'm after here. And it's, and it's not just proclaiming my liberty. I was, we were talking the other day in a conversation. I used to work with some guys that uh, were, uh, um, well, they were, most of them were Anglicans. Some of them were Presbyterian. And uh, um, they would often, uh, because they knew, that, they knew that a lot of people they worked around were either Baptist or charismatic or nothing. But you know, if, but you're raised in the Bible Belt, even if you're nothing, you know, you, you've got all the, you understand all the taboos, the don't do's, even if you're not a Christian yourself. And they knew this, right? And so they, they like to, they would get together and, and, you know, they would drink, um, and smoke cigars and do all these kinds of things, which was fine and dandy. Uh, 
That's, that's their business. But sometimes, uh, because they knew they could get a rise out of people, they would kind of, um, kind of flaunt it. You know, make, make sure they mentioned it in front of people that they knew it was going to shock, right? Or if they were making plans to get together, you know, we're going to get together and have a few beers tonight, then they would make sure that other people around them knew about it so that they would get remarks, you know, like, what, what, you know, you guys, you guys drink? Well, of course, they would, they would, they would give them uh, a, an argument, you know, well, yeah, you know, the Scripture doesn't, doesn't uh, teach against it. But here's the deal. There didn't seem to be any concern for the weaker conscience of the weaker brother. Or sometimes I like to say it wasn't even a brother. It was just, uh, just, just a, a lost person. It, the goal did not seem to be salvation of souls. At least as far as I could tell. And I would say they're 100% right in that there, we have those taboos in our culture, just like they have here, that the Bible does not speak against. But the way to deal with those things is through teaching, and it's not through you know, flaunting your liberty um, at the expense of other people. Um, Heard a, well, Danny was telling me another story about that along those lines just the other day. It was a similar deal. I won't go there, but it was a similar deal. It's like, um, you know, even though it's going to hurt somebody here, we're going to do it. That's what Paul is speaking against. Their liberty, the Corinthians' liberty, must be governed by love. Paul's liberty and Paul's authority must be constrained by love. It's motivated by love. So, they see him doing these things that to them appear to be wishy-washy. You know, he's this one minute, he's that another minute. And Paul's saying, I'm not boxing against the air here. I'm not running aimlessly. What I'm doing is being all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. And in doing that, He's showing them what true liberty really is. Because that's what he's saying. I'm free to do that. I'm free to do that. Like we said this morning, I've been freed to love. And that's what he's exhorting them to do. Run that you may obtain it. Discipline yourself. Exercise self-control. And Paul says, I do that lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And while he's stating that as a fact, I think he's also stating it as a warning to them to do the same. You do have liberty. You do have freedom, but it is governed by love. It is not absolute freedom. It is freedom to love. Let's pray. Father, we do love You and thank You for Your Word, for the truth um, here that, Lord, You've given to us to, to grow us, to conform us to the image of Christ. Father, we 
pray for Your wisdom as we uh, walk through the world this week, going about our, our daily routines. We ask, Lord, that You enable us to, to be sensitive to the, those around us, that we may walk in love, that we may deal in love with those outside, those outside of, of the, the family, the Christian body, and that we may deal in love with one another so that we encourage edification among brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, teach us to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And to do that in love. Not an unbridled liberty, but a liberty governed by love. Love for You, a pursuit of Your glory, and love for one another. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80. Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.